development It's all we envelop in tell a friend A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in The conferences, Pac-12 and Big 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Devi Owner's Manual. This is episode 2.3. We are your source for building a Devi squad and using it to build a championship fo- fantasy football team. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Devi Manual. Reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing if you have any questions. First up, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. Pete Lawrence. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, been a beautiful couple of days up in the Northwest and just getting ready for the draft. I hear you there, man. It feels like I... Does anybody else feel like time is moving in slow motion right now as far as the draft is going? Like, I feel like it's been six weeks since the combine and we still have like three months to the draft. It feels like time is moving in slow motion. I'm ready to get this draft. So it's just the hype and the buildup, you know, of this 2020 draft has just been crazy for so long. So, And it's not just Pete tonight. I also, we have a very special guest. I'm really excited to bring on this guy. His his name is Ben, but he goes by at Jetpack Galileo of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Ben, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. Excellent. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. If you guys hear any crazy noises in the background, it's just somebody honking and throwing a hoagie at him. And you know, he lives in New York City, so he's going to get all kinds of crazy background noises. So hopefully it's just some honking horns and nothing crazier than that tonight. We just wanted to reach out to Ben because we, Pete and I both have been following him for a little while and noticing the stuff he's been putting on Twitter, the the uh, running back, wide receiver models, things like that. So can you just tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing there at Fantasy Football Astronauts, man? It's some good stuff. Sure. So uh, we're a group of guys that all played football together. We just loved fantasy football, and so we started putting stuff together that we felt like there was a little bit of a hole in some of the content that's out there. And so if you remember Draft Breakdown being a pretty big deal with getting access to all the college film of guys, uh, we brought that back. And so I spent a lot of time doing cut-ups this season, um, and so we'll have cut-ups of players, you know, A.J. Dillon versus Syracuse or Antonio Gibson versus SMU. And so you get to see all their plays um, against that one team. And that way you get to watch some of the film. And so there's other guys on YouTube doing that, but that's one of the main things that we do. And, and we just tried to collect all of the, the YouTube videos and then put them in one spot. So on our website, like a huge video library of everything, it's like easily organized. So um, that, that's one of the things that we're really proud about. Um, but then you also brought up, um, some of the models that I've been working on too. And uh, that's another thing that I've really enjoyed getting into uh, most recently. But um, just building models is is like a new thing for me. I'm a chiropractor and I'm like a football player. And so watching film has been most of what I do. Um, and then the model building is more of like a new thing where I have something competitive kind of where like other people, I can look at their models and be like, oh, maybe I can beat that. Um, and so that online end of thing, that's fun for me to get into. Um, but yeah, that's been my goal has been, okay, what, uh, if I have the film side, that's great. How can I quantify that? How can I objectify what I'm finding from both like an analytics perspective and then also like building film grades and creating my own stats with what I'm um, create objective medical. One of the things that Galileo says is he says, make measurable or measure what is measurable and make measurable what isn't. And like that to me is kind of why I became who I am or why I want to do what I, I do because like the ability to objectify something is totally there in fantasy football. It's just we don't always do it and we rest in this like, oh, that's subjective. It's film or, oh, this is just your opinion because of this. And like, OK, let's pull numbers out. We can we can build something where we have something to make it objective. Let's just do that. 
blown away. I'm, if anything I suck at is, is the analytics side. And I, so that's why I trust guys like you and Peter Howard. And like, I'm looking at your pin tweet right now with the rookie wide receiver model that has age adjusted points per game, team rating, conference modification, breakout age, dominator rating over average. It, it's, it's beautiful. That, that's like, that's really good stuff. Cause I, I've always been like the film guy. I love watching the film. And, and, but I would, I always like having the analytics side to kind of balance out, you know, to make me look twice too. And, these breakdown videos you guys has it's it's an impressive library it's, it's incredibly impressive i'm looking i'm just thumbing through here and i mean i could probably mow through a bunch of those every day at work so that's what I, I i that's what i do at work if i'm bored too i just mow down these videos and it's good stuff i mean really really good stuff you guys are doing some great stuff over there so awesome thanks good to hear i was a little worried because dwight asked me who we want to get on the show this week and uh i've kind of secretly had you you know jetpack and all this stuff kind of been looking at it myself and i haven't shared my, as much as i want because i don't want all my other league mates to to catch on to these things but uh I'm, I'm happy to have you on man happy to talk and yeah these breakdowns are great um you talked about draft breakdown going away and now the the service you guys are providing by bringing those things and putting them on there so people can view some tape and you're you're doing a really great job just putting that uh, your wide receiver model up there um and, and it's it's easy to read it's very easy to look at and break it down they, you do have a podcast episode called Anyone But Carry On, which I don't endorse at all. But other than that, you know, <laughs> I'm a huge Carry On fan, despite the fact that I don't think he'll ever put together 16 games in a season ever at the rate he's going. So still a fan, though. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. No, good good player. I just got to stay on the field, you know? It's, it, yeah, it's frustrating when you get guys like that. So Yeah. All right, so we're a couple weeks out from the combine, you know. So we're just going to kind of step back. We have not done a combine review on here, so we're just going to kind of go back through. Um, everybody's had some time to look at, you know, the the charts, the analytics, the Raz scores. I, I'm a big Raz guy. I love watching. I love seeing what Kent Lee Platt does over there, at uh, at, with his math bomb guy. I like watching the Raz. I've been checking those out lately, just kind of diving in a little bit more to the combine and. It felt like there was a lot of guys this year that didn't do a lot of the testing, which is kind of kind of stunk, you know. And then there's guys that have pro days coming up. I think T. Higgins is like tomorrow, I believe, if I remember right. So we got the pro days coming up here pretty quick. Hopefully they they go through with them like scheduled. So jetpack, is there any guys jetpack? <laughs> I you have that that's good. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I like the Galileo. It's that's, cool. You like what, that's what everybody else. Called me nobody prior to you guys saying my name. Nobody has called me that. In the yeah, you're like uh, Big yeah. Bang meets fantasy football. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I love it. So, all right, Ben, who are you? Who are you most impressed with the combine? Give us a couple names you really liked. Yeah, so um, we all know Denzel Mims was a big standout. I, I think you guys will probably end up bringing him up at some point. So he's, he's like a big one that stood out in a lot of models. But um, I think my favorite guy was probably A.J. Dillon and what he did. His performance was comparable to like a Derrick Henry and all that. And so you'll hear that name a lot. But I think from from the standpoint of him being so vastly underrated and coming from Boston College, to see him perform the way he did confirms a lot of what you saw on film in terms of, okay, he's not just a plotter, but he can take it to the house because he'll – He'll pump pump out these long runs, and you're like, okay. Uh, I mean, how fast is he? Was the blocking that good, or you know, was he is he just like truly that powerful? And um, I, I got good confirmation from that, just from his his numbers. I thought so. He's a really good guy. Uh, what'd you guys think of AJ Dillon? 
Yeah, I actually just did a, a really deep breakdown for DLF on him, and oh, the nice. numbers the numbers are so similar to Derrick Henry. It's kind of creepy, like 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 the like he was 0.1 second slower. Like his he's his uh, broad jump was the highest ever for a guy his size, beating out Derrick Henry, and like their verts were close. Their bench press was only one off. Like it was crazy how close those guys were, you know. And we've seen what Derrick Henry can do, and. You know, it made me go back and watch his tape again because he had a lot of times where he just – he, you know, everybody talks about the offensive line that Cam ran behind, and Boston College wasn't much better, and then they also had offenses or defenses that were focusing on stopping Dylan. you know. So there were often times where he had eight, nine guys watching him, you know, and, yeah, he'd only get two or three yards. What do you expect? So, But then you, you see those numbers, and then you watch the tape, and you find those big runs, and you can see that acceleration when he gets – that crease, you know, and then he runs somebody over, then he's gone. And yeah, he's, you got to get the right scheme, but I really like him a lot. And I think he's, you know, you could have got him in the mid second of most rookie drafts, you know, a couple weeks ago, but now after this, he's going to go the end of the first beginning of the second. Yeah. He's obviously made himself some money at the combine. You in the same boat, Peter? Yeah. You know, being over here on the West Coast, didn't get to watch a whole lot of Boston College, but when I can, just clip on and watch some of the just the uh, the clips and uh, you know everything that you guys are putting together. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. You you know we've obviously the comparison to Derrick Henry, and I think it'd be smart of the Titans to maybe let Derrick Henry walk. You know we talk about do you really want to pay a running back X amount, take up that big chunk of your cap, when you know hey you can go grab the next Derrick Henry in the second round, probably, uh, you know, second, third round. He's probably a day two pick at this point. But you can get him there and have him at a much cheaper value, uh, you know, and and move on from and let somebody else pay Derrick Henry that 20-plus mil or whatever he's looking for. Right, yeah, they're obviously a natural fit. But, you know, there are some other teams that, you know, might want to replicate what they've done. So, yeah, you keep hearing that. I I don't see him moving on from Derrick Henry, but I think probably it would make financial sense. So. Is there like an ideal spot you can see him going, Ben? Or yeah, I think Colts would be a really interesting one. The the strength of the offensive line, and and really, I'll put AJ Dillon and Jonathan Taylor in the same category of back, right? Where you you're saying, okay, he's a power back, he's a fast hammer, he can do whatever he wants on the first and second downs. The question on third down, you know, maybe we complement him with a Naheem Hines or with a Duke Johnson. So I think Colts, Texans, those kinds of teams. Are, are ideal landing spots or the way that the NFL will see them is probably a better way of saying it. I think both with Dylan and with Fournette, there are, there are better pass catchers um, coming out of school than Leonard Fournette. Um, we saw Leonard Fournette do really well, but that's like hundred percent about whatever the coach wants to do and who else is on the team. So if, if AJ Dylan went to a team where there's a, like a blank space and there's nobody to compete for passing targets, like, great. I'm, I'm actually all for, believing he can do everything and play all three downs. But because the market is so saturated now and there's so much talent and backs now play all sorts of different roles or, or you have so many guys to do different things on the field, I, I think he'll end up being a first, second down guy. And, and a team like the Texans, um, where you can fill into a Carlos Hyde role, um, I mean, he'd be fantastic in. Like Carlos Hyde just had a 1,000 yards rushing and like the quietest thousand yard rushing you'd, you'd ever think of. And if you put AJ Dillon in there, he could be a total monster. All right, your second name on the list, I <laughs> kind of surprised me, but I like it. He he had a hell of a good combine. So. Oh, yeah. Tristan, so Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa had just a, a generational combine as far as 
talking. So he's an offensive tackle prospect. He's just this huge guy with just the most ginormous legs I think I've ever seen. Um, and uh, just a total freak on like so many levels. And I think wherever he goes, he's going to change the landscape of the rest of his team. And the reason why he's notable for me, we're talking fantasy, right? The reason why he's so notable for me is because you get a guy like that to have a like Lane Johnson level combine or a Teron Armstead level combine. And we're talking about changing the way the game is played for that team where Teron Armstead is with the Saints now. And you can put Alvin Kamara in there. You can put Mark Ingram in there. It doesn't matter who, you know, that offensive line is so strong. They're strong all the way across the board. But Teron Armstead is like one of their main pieces um, that they can feature. And Lane Johnson is kind of the same way with what um, they're able to do with the Eagles. They, they add these really athletic tackles, and then that gives you flexibility to do all sorts of different things in the run game. Um, and I think Tristan Wirfs will do something similar. Like another Iowa guy, offensive lineman, that really changed or uh, made a big impact was um, Brent, Brennan Scherf who's with the Redskins now. And you'll see like when Scherf is out and when Trent Williams is out, AP's numbers or Darius Geis' numbers or whoever's numbers, those go down huge amounts. Um, but when Scherf is in, like they're ready to rock. And and you can put a 33-year-old running back in and, and expect him to do fine, even though there's no passing game. Um, and so a, a tackle like that um, and Wirfs can be a total game changer. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that are a lot of teams I'd be excited to see him land on, but just to, just like from the pure athletic marvel that he was, I think it was really fun for me to watch too. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts on him? <laughs> it's scary what these guys do at this size, man. Like, yeah. like I, I watched Mackay Becton run. I'm like, Oh my God, that guy's oh. like six, seven, three sixty. He's <laughs> yeah. just flipping. Yeah. That's scary, man. That guy, like, way faster than me. And he's like 100 pounds heavier than me and like six foot. Like, that's crazy. So it, it's it, it's weird, man. It's it's nuts. But yeah, they're saying like five tackles could go in the first round. Like, in the first 10, I mean, like the first 10 or 12 picks, there could be like five tackles. You know, the, the, those tackles are so much more important. You know, I mean, you see these teams that are successful. That's so good for it's all built around the line. Yeah, it's so good for football to, like, after, I don't know, I feel like it's been three years since we had a good tackle class. And every year you're like, uh, yeah, there's maybe one guy. Now we can have, I mean, how many teams really are desperate for a good tackle? Like the Texans, the Dolphins, right, the Bengals. There's so many teams, the Cardinals, that have, like, nothing and have been just kind of, like, pushing it back, pushing it back. And then now we can finally see some talent to support your Joe Mixons to support guys like that where, okay, it's time to really believe in, in, you know, someone who's struggled, you take that to the next level. All right, Pete, who's somebody you were impressed with, man. You know, I, we just talked about an offensive tackle who I'd love to see go to the Seahawks, but uh, I was just really happy to see some good positive news about Tua. seems like his hips good. We got uh, the ESPN reports that it uh, sounds like he's going to be throwing at his pro day. So that was all positive for me, but uh, same goes with the, the talk about Jordan Love. Didn't look too great this year. Uh, if you watch any cut-ups from 2018 to 2019, there's a huge drop-off um, in just the quality of his play. But you're still hearing about him likely going top half of the first round. Just you know, some of the comments coming out of the combine. He, he's just got all those traits in, in the, you know, the big look, the arm, things that the teams are going to fall in love with. And I, I think uh, Jordan Love just really impressed and I, I think he's going to be a first round probably top half because quarterback is just you got to have that guy so now Ben for you if Tua was not hurt would he be your number one or is it Burrow 
I, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, I love asking that question. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think we can all say, everybody would say, Tua was everybody's number one when he was healthy. Right. And then Burrow performed and Tua got hurt. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, for me, it's going to be, be all about landing spot. How are the weapons? Do I believe in the offense? And, like, if Tua goes to the Chargers, maybe Tua is my number one, right? I'll frame it that way, right? right? If Tua goes to the Redskins, I'm like, eh, I'll take Burrow. How's that? You know, one of the things we've been talking about for year, for like the past year, right, is Tua to the Dolphins. It's going to happen. You know, early at the season, it was they're going to they're going to be the one hundred one pick. They're going to get Tua. Uh, they won a few games, but you know, they're still one hundred five. Tua got hurt. Now he's going to fall a little bit. What if the Dolphins keep kicking it down the road? You know, next year you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Justin Fields. You know, why not just keep hammering O line defense, build that team around, and then you get your quarterback. It's something you might see, so just kind of talking crazy. No, it's not entirely crazy, but the problem is they haven't, you know, if they do that, they probably have enough talent to win six, seven games, which could take them out of that running. <laughs> so, like this year, they screwed up and won a couple games, but you know, so, you know, give them a couple more. You know, they've got like 13 picks in this draft, so yeah, they could really, you know, make marginable, marginals, you know, like leaps forward. So. And Jordan Love, man, I just, I just don't know what to make of him. Like, I, you know, I don't. I'm not big on a guy that just you you want to believe in the traits. You know, I want to see it, you know, especially from Utah State, you know, against lesser competition. You wanted to see him tear it up, you know, and then I guess he didn't – I didn't get to see much of him during the spring, during the senior bowl, but I heard he didn't do well that week either, you know. So, yeah. I yeah, I just, I just don't know what to make of him. He's just the guy who honestly will just need a couple years. You know, he'll need a couple years to sit at least, and who knows what we'll have then. So, you know, he's, he's definitely one that can't be thrust in right away, so – all right, you got another guy that you were impressed with, Ben? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire probably is not going to show up on a lot of combine hit lists um, because of the 4-6 that he ran, but I thought he had a fantastic time, smooth in and out of breaks, good with his hands, like really clean to see. It's it's nice about the combine is you can watch everybody do the same thing. You can confirm, okay, you know, what I see in film is not just he beat that guy because that guy was playing bad defense, but he really does have smooth hips and clean hands when he runs his angle routes. And so to see that from Clyde, I thought that was pretty good. His footwork on like the Deuce Daily drill is, is another thing that I thought was, you know, he's pretty smooth with that. So um, I'm not too concerned about running a 4-6. Don't really care at all for him. And so, yeah, I, I would still put him in there in my top five running backs. And I'm very happy with, you know, who I think he'll end up being. I, on my end, I'm thinking, okay, like Brian Westbrook or Devonta Freeman is a really popular comp where Devonta Freeman's like a four, five, eight guy. Um, and so those are the, the kind of players where you can have prolific NFL careers. You don't have to be super fast. If you're versatile and you understand the scheme really well um, and you can execute and you're tough like he is, I mean, he checks all those boxes. So a four, six, oh, I'm not too worried about. Yeah. I think my old co-host Matt compared him to Ray Rice. And I, I kind of like that. Sure. You yeah. know, he got that stigma of Ray Rice, but you know, when he played, he was, a lot of fun to watch. You know, he's a good little back. So, yeah, I, I love Alaire a lot. I think he's probably the best pass catching back in the class, maybe past DeAndre Swift. I don't want to talk about DeAndre Swift today. So, I, I've been cutting down a lot of his games, and I'm I'm not impressed with the last couple games I've watched of him. So, <laughs> it sucks when you do that when you watch film and you watch a couple bad games. You're like, why is this guy my number one or number two? You know, you're like, screw it, down he goes. You know? <laughs> no, so it's yeah, it's silly. I watched a couple rough games. I'm like, ooh, what? Why is there, you know, anyways, whatever. So you got another guy for us, Ben? 
I like the next. The, oh no, you can't talk about this. Everybody's talking about him too much. Who? How did the table oh. for Antonio Gibson for six yeah. months? Oh now yeah, everybody's talking about him. It's pissing me off. <laughs> well, I he he was a total sud. So for me, his fit is going to be at running back. And so um, wide receiver combine wise, um, his performance is you know pretty good. Um, but to run a four three nine. At, I think it was 228. Um, that speed score is higher than Jonathan Taylor's. And, like, performance-wise, he's in the ballpark of, like, he maxes out my running back combine score. And so, like, I'll put my combine score together. It's mostly just for running backs. It's just 40-yard dash, weighted adjusted speed. It's going to be the highest correlation. But um, he's he's maxing out that range. And, and so I think, like, from a, the standpoint of, okay, is he fast? Um, is he tough? Can he do, is he versatile? Can he run routes and catch? Like, yeah, he can do all those things. I don't think he's good enough to play receiver in the NFL, but you don't need that at running back. He can be the next Ty Montgomery, and that's kind of where I'm going um, in terms of the way that I'm thinking about him. More explosive version of Ty Montgomery. Right, yeah, he's the guy. I just, I, I love, 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 love watching him. I was watching Gainwell, and I was like, ooh, Who's this guy? You know, every time he he touched the ball, he he only had seventy one touches and scored twelve times and eleven hundred yards and was returning kicks for touchdowns and just doing everything. And he's just crazy explosive. And then you see that and you're like, oh, this guy's a little guy. You know, he's not little. He's huge, six foot two twenty eight. He's a big dude and he can move, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what team gets him and what they do with him because I think he can move all over like Ty Montgomery. So. Yeah, good one, man. But now everybody's on to him, so now I get, I'm kind of irritated. So, like, he actually was like retweeting my tweets about him and stuff, and now he's too big for that. So, <laughs> so I'll go back to being my. I'll just go back in my little hole. Anyways, all right, Pete, you got another name for us, man? Yeah, I, I really like that Ty Montgomery talk, and we're gonna bring it right back out to the Pac-12 when I talk about Eno Benjamin. Uh, happy to see him weighing a little bit heavier than we saw at the Senior Bowl. Still maintained a good speed in the forty. Um, I don't think if you were watching, you know, Benjamin. I didn't think he was much going to be running much faster than that, anyways. Uh, and he's a player who, when I watch tape, I, I really like what he does. Arizona State didn't have a lot of talent. Uh, he, he's got a really great contact balance, spin move, uh, three down set. So I, you know, he he didn't blow up the combine, but he didn't disappoint. Uh, kind of like another Pac-12 name I'm going to talk about. So. I was I was happy to see him do good too because he's a guy I'm I'm rooting for a lot because I I loved him a lot going into the season he just had a rough year you know and you watch the tape from this year and it, you see flashes of what he was the last couple of years but then you just see flashes of him running into people for no reason and running into linemen and th- and you just yeah so I'm I'm rooting for him I'm definitely rooting for him so where do you guys have him rated? For me, it's he's he's that that uh, probably tier three of running backs. So you got you know Taylor Swift, Acres, uh, Dobbins, then probably you know Clyde Edwards-Helaire, uh, Vaughn, Zach Moss, and then probably Benjamin in that third group. Kind of you know however you want to rank them, wherever the landing spot yeah. ends up. Eight or nine, yeah, ish. Yeah. Sorry, Dylan, Dylan in there too. So yeah. Um, do you have like a, a comp for him? Cause I, you know, like all the contacts, ba- contact balance guys, you go to like Kareem Hunt or I, but it, he's not, he's not, no, he's not Kareem Hunt. Not uh, I don't know really where to put him. 
I, I think for me, like like I said, he's that tier three. Um, I was a lot higher on him. I'll say that uh, yeah. coming into the season. But, yeah. you know, he, he's going to probably get some decent enough draft capital where he can kind of hang around. Is he probably going to be, a, you know, a guy you're going to start? Is he going to be an RB? He's not an RB1. He's not going to end up being probably, probably maybe at best he's an RB, a late RB2. Hopefully you get like an RB3. Hey, you know, a best ball dynasty roster guy, you kind of stash him. I'm thinking you're probably drafting him late round three at this point, maybe round four. So just a guy to toss in there, you know, just a player who's, who's going to give you some depth and is probably going to have a good career. I mean, not a great career, but just he'll be in the NFL for a moment. He's going to, you know, have some time for you. Ben, you know, can you say his last name? <laughs> I never have been able to. Yeah. How, many, how many years I've been doing this, I still can't do say his yeah. last name. So. Uh, Alberto. <laughs> Alberto, that works. Yeah, that's yeah. what I do. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't test much. He just did the 40, and he ran a 4.49, um, which is all you need. Uh, I haven't gotten into the film on him yet, but if you're running a 4.49, I think he's like 258 or something in that range. That Dude. puts you in an elite tier of tight ends. So tight ends in particular, it's, it's more about combine than it is any other position because you can get into production – profiles of a lot of guys but statistically a team college teams are just not as good at using guys as they are in the nfl there's no head ends that produce more in college than they do in the nfl in terms of like the great ones like everyone gets a bump which is kind of a weird thing you think of like running backs like oh we have running backs rushing for 2,000 yards but we don't have any tight ends catching a thousand yards like we do in the nfl i know there's more games and things like that but just like, I mean, you can say the same thing about receivers, but you can't, it's not, doesn't exist for him, his, his athletic profile to, to jump out like that. Um, it, it's a big deal. So I'll get into the tape a little more. Have you guys watched him at all? Yeah. And, and his tape was, was rough this year. It was, it yeah. was rough. He looked like he was slow. He wasn't like, and I, I really liked his 2018 tape, you know? So it, it was kind of shocking to see. I expected him to take big jumps. I had him as my number one tight end going into the, into the season and he just it, it was hard it was hard to watch you know i don't know if it was just missouri's offense in general wasn't the most amazing so i when he ran the what he ran i was like whoa because you did not see that on tape at all you know like right. it was quite shocking so yeah in my and so in my profile he'll grade in the like evan ingram range which is pretty much as high as you can in terms of not not just the combine but in terms of his college profile so he's a He's an early SEC breakout, and so that gives you the most points in my system. So that, that puts him in an elite elite group. So getting into the film, for me, the analytics model is one thing, and it's got like the strike rate on that is better than draft capital. I'm very confident in it. I think it's great. But that'll play a, a small part of my overall process. And so getting into the film and grading his film, right, that might just speak more to me than whatever I'm reading in the analytics. So because like even draft capital is like 50-50, right? Right, right. To beat draft capital is good, right? But, I mean, you need to make decisions on, like, what do you think is going to happen in football, right? And so, like, if he can't catch or he's not tough enough, that that should speak to you just as much as, like, oh, he had this many stats, right, this much yards. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. He, he definitely could be – he ends on that right team. He, he could be a really good tight end, you know, for quite a while. So he's got a lot of things he likes, so – um, Pete, we already kind of talked about Denzel Mims. You can talk about him a little more if you want, but you're, or you want to get to your last name on the list. It's up to you. Yeah, I think just Mims and Donovan Peoples-Jones just really blew up the combine. So seeing them just having uh, 
really good athletic scores. You know, a couple weeks ago, like I said, it's it's better to, you know, a, a lot of good football players are great athletes. But if you're a poor athlete, you're probably not going to be a good football player. So, hey, he uh, he's going to get some a, a nice bump in his, his draft stock. He was highly recruited in the Debbie community. He's been on Donovan Peoples-Jones for a long time. If you've watched any Michigan game, their offense has been atrocious. So, you know, we, we can make all these excuses for uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. That said, he still didn't look very good on the tape, but he's going to get a nice little bump from this combine score, which should help him with some draft stock. You know, what's, what's he going to look like? Is he going to be Paris Campbell? Is he going to be some of these guys who had uh, some really great combine scores last year, but we haven't seen much out of them, whether injury or, you know, anything of that nature. And, and just for you guys know, it's Albert Okuwe Newbaum. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Ben, what are your what do your numbers tell us about a guy like D like dot DPJ? Like what do, what do they say? You know, like yeah. So DPJ takes a big hit just because his production profile wasn't good. But he right. so breakout age is a big thing for wide receivers, right? And that's so when you cross twenty percent dominator rating, which is like your market share of receptions and yards and touchdowns. When you cross that threshold, then you've broken out as a receiver. And so that's the number one correlation to NFL success is the younger you break out, the more successful you'll be just as far as any stat that's ever been, you know, like available. um, That's like the easiest thing to do for receivers in terms of simple stuff. And so with him, he broke out as a sophomore. And so he has like in my, on my production profile, he's like, it's pretty good to, to the point where I'm going to need to confirm what the film says on him because his profile is stronger than what I've seen so far. And so analytically he'll show out because his combine was so elite and his, he was, he hit the thresholds enough to the point where he's going to be bumped up to to basically say it's, I demand to be watched. Right. Um, And there's a bunch of guys who were like, if they don't hit certain thresholds, I won't even bother. So it's, what's nice about the analytics idea is like, okay, now this fits him into a top 10 category where I say, okay, I have to make sure I watch this guy. And so that's kind of where I'm at on DPJ. His everything about him says you need to watch me. You know, you guys are telling me, and I've kind of felt the same way. He's not going to stand out too much. So, like, if he ends up in on a on a team where they can develop him and use his skill set as or like a returner or or moving around him a little bit, I think that'll be useful. But um, yeah, so like with Mims though, Mims is my top receiver on from an analytical standpoint from the combine standpoint. Um, and I think getting into the film and putting a grade on that will be really interesting. And so the reason why he's he's the top receiver is because he's a sophomore breakout in the Big 12 and he's like a freak athlete. And the challenge with that is like, what do you do with a freak who broke out early in his career in the Big 12, you know, where there's not really any good DBs, but you're hitting all these marks as far as like, oh, here's, I hit this many yards and, why can't we like Denzel Mims in the same ballpark as CD Lamb? Right. Like I have CD Lamb number one in my like in my real rankings, but it, my analytics profile will say, "Hey, you need to be be paying attention to Denzel Mims as much as you are CD Lamb." So, what differentiates those two guys for you? I think I'm just a little, you know, it's 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 the the helmet bias. Let's call it yeah. what it is. Being burned by Baylor wide receivers, it just makes me a little hesitant to jump in on that Denzel Mims uh, train because he hits a lot of things. Just like I mean, everything you've said, he hits you know a lot of the stuff you want to see from a prospect. 
But I think just for so many years now, we've just kept getting burned by Baylor wide receivers. And Josh Gordon wasn't a talent thing. That's just, you know, knucklehead. Corey Coleman, talented wide receiver, and sounds like he might have some of the same uh, knucklehead issues uh, if you go back and watch Brown's yeah, HBO like special. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's kind of some hints that, like, maybe we made a mistake drafting Corey Coleman. Yes. Uh, they moved on pretty quick right after that. And then I think – so I think we just kind of all have that little bit of bias, like, oh, man, is this just another Baylor wide receiver – uh, and luckily, right you know, up until the combine, you were you were getting them at a pretty good deal. But I think you're gonna have to pay up now because uh, you know, just like you said, all these scores are saying you know, screaming in your face, like, "Yo, you got to pay attention to me now." And the NFL is going to. I, I like that you did see it on tape. You know, you did see the same. You know that the alpha dog, the get, get the ball. You know the the cast radius, the sideline. You know he just he saw a lot of that, and then watching the combine confirmed it. You know, and I was the athletic side. You know, which was a side that I that was surprised the hell out of everybody. I think you know none of us really saw that athletic. You know his performance coming. So I think yeah, the analytic side putting him as a top receiver makes total sense. You know, there's this is kind of where the analytic side is tough for me because you know the analytics side does show that but then you like you said what how is he different than cd but when you watch like when i watch cd he just looks like it you know he just like looks like the man you know and mems did at times but you know it's yeah it's man it's tough i'd like to watch mems a little bit more man like it's just one i haven't spent a lot of time on his tape because i know he didn't have a lot of those games you know those seven catches for 230 yard three touchdown games you know that the that all the big receivers seem to put up you know so it was kind of weird not having him do that especially in an offense that threw as much as they did so sure yeah he had like he had a game against oklahoma where he had no catches right and it was like what was he hurt (laughs) and so we have we have that game i cut i cut up that game because i was like what the heck's going on and part i mean part of it is it's the quarterback situation and everything right. going on there and they're a you know one read kind of system so it's yeah it's all very interesting but to me i think the difference between him and cd lamb is the consistency right mims can do it every once in a while cd you know is going to do it and i know like i know that's a big deal for nfl of course but, you know, to see that consistency, I think his teams are going to be valuing CD more. But, I, like, mm-hmm. Mims' upside is there. And oh, it, might yeah. be, it might be more than CD Lamb because he does everything that CD Lamb does. If he figures it out, if he, like, figures it out mentally and can get the concentration drops under, you know, under control, like, he's a freak. CD's a 4-5 guy. Can't take the top off like Mims can, theoretically. As far as DPJ, I'd, I'd love to get a hold of some of Michigan's all 22 so I can see, you know, what's happening away from the ball, see if he's creating separation, see if he's open, you know, if he's open on all these plays and Shea is just a piece of, you know, whatever, you know, and he's just not seeing him. You know, I'd like to see what happens. I'd like to see what he does, you know, away from the ball. That's one thing that we can't see on a lot of cutups, you know, like unless you're privileged enough to have all 22. So, yeah, it's just one of those things I'd, I'd love to get a hold of some and see. All of it. Yeah. So, 
now Pete, you may have to step back a little bit. I might have to nerd out for a minute here with, with Ben. So like, I don't get to talk IDP a whole lot. So All right, Ben, Ben was impressed with the linebackers. Do you have anybody in particular other than Simmons or? Well, uh, Simmons is a total freak show. I, you, watch, you probably watched all the simulcams of him running up against like Julio Jones or Christian McCaffrey or Saquon and just like, Oh, he's going to be so good. This, this, the the talent in the top ten of this class is not just with the fantasy players. It's like there's so much NFL talent where like Isaiah Simmons is probably going to be one of the I could I don't mind saying he's probably going to be one of the greatest defensive players of all time. That's that's how defensive defense works is you put these freaks in who are good at football, they take over the league. And so he'll he'll be fun to watch in the NFL and just because we're NFL fans, that that's really valuable. But from an IDP standpoint, um, to see what he can do. Uh, but I think what why I said the linebackers or why I put linebackers is because this is a really fast class. And if it wasn't for Isaiah Simmons, we would be really impressed with the combines that everybody else had. Like Kenneth Murray was a 4-5 guy. Patrick Queen was a 4-5 guy. Yeah, I mean, just like the good players are are fast. And that's, that's like awesome to see when you know uh, there's a baller um, and he can also cook too. That, that's that's where you want to be. Pete's getting antsy. He's the tyrant. <laughs> it's it's like his bat call. <laughs> I gotta go, guys. Yeah, yeah no, actually, those, you're those... talking about Kenneth Murray, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big IDP guy, but my Seahawks need a linebacker, and he's a guy who I see falling around that range, and I, I'd love to see him get Kenneth Murray. They tried this whole Michael Kendricks thing, and if you watch the Seahawks, Kendricks can't stay with the ball anymore. So I'd wa- I'd like them to get a little bit more, you know, a little bit of youth there. Especially KJ Wright being a little bit older, bringing a guy like Murray and just let him ball out. Yeah, him beside Wagner, like Wagner can stay yeah. home and be responsible. Yeah, yeah, all three of those guys you mentioned are are like legitimate. They could be top ten linebackers for the next ten years. You know, all three of those guys. Although Simmons, you never know what somebody's going to do with him. I actually just recently cut up the championship game of theirs last year, and he played slot corner the entire freaking game against Alabama. (laughs) The national championship. He was a slot corner the entire game. I'm like, that's bananas. Bananas. The dude's 6'3", 240 pounds. That's crazy. And he's playing slot corner. Like, ugh. He's nuts, man. He's. I worry a little bit that his IDP will be capped a little bit just because he does that. He does everything, you know. So he's not going to be in on all the tackles and in on all the because he's everywhere. Amazing to watch. So, although if you are cutting up tape of him, he's an absolute bitch to cut up because you never know where he's at. So yeah, sure. I'd be like panning out, scanning, looking. Where's he at? You know, fast forwarding a little bit, looking for number eleven. Where's he at? You know. (laughs) Going backwards, I think that's him. Oh, it's twelve. Damn. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, he's not even in this play. There goes thirty seconds of my life gone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he he is he is a bear to cut up. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's a silly thing, but all right. So we talked about all the guys you guys love. Pete, who disappointed you, man? We're gonna go back out to the Pac-12. I hinted at it earlier. We're gonna talk two of my favorite, you know, UW Huskies, Savan Ahmed. Pretty disappointing time. He was clocked at the pro day last year for UW at about a 4-3. And he came out and run about a 4-6. Luckily, you know, I, I live kind of around where he's from. Uh, I know a few people who, who are uh, close to him. There, there's some reasons for that time. Um, it'll probably get revealed. You know, he hasn't been right for a little while. 
So those are my excuses. You can see it in the in how he runs. If you watch the, the the combine, he pops up real quick and he's very upright in his running. That's not his normal running. That'll come. I'm sure that'll come out at some point. Hunter Bryant, I thought would be a little bit quicker as well. And this is more just about Albert Okuwenubam just kind of jumping up around him. Where I could, I, I think, if you know you're an NFL team and you got both guys kind of maybe around the same area, you know, being a a third round or a fourth round pick. Albert O maybe just jumping up above Hunter Bryant, maybe knocking Hunter Bryant down just a little bit. So, you know, just the kind of the draft capital for Hunter Bryant just might impact that a little bit. Right. Ahmed was one I was hoping would do better. Yeah. Cause you know, he's, I thought he'd make his, his NFL money being the speed guy, you know, a four, a four, three. Yeah. He had a four, three, uh, four, three, four, I think, or something at the UW pro day last year. Oh, uh, you guys are lying. No, no man, that was that was his that was his There's that was no his pro way. day. Yep, <laughs> that's crazy. And maybe maybe he's one of those guys you hear about him that they just think they're fast and they don't train for it, and they don't know how to launch out of a block. You know, they don't know how to all those little things that guys do to shave time. You know, and he's like, oh, I'm fast. I'll be good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the largest discrepancy ever. Yeah, oh yeah, it was. I, I was when I saw his posted time, I was like, well, "What the hell?" Oh, yeah. and, and I know he dealt with this, you know, some stuff during the season, and unfortunately, it's still still kind of coming through on him. Ben, you got a couple big guys there, a couple big big receivers. Oh, you were... Isaiah Hodgins didn't do well as I wanted him to. The, the thing with the receiver class is you need the deeper guys to stand out, and so you can like something about a guy, but in order for him to get any sort of draft capital, it needs to stand out. And it's the same thing with Antonio Gandy-Golden as it is with Isaiah Hodgins. Is you needed him to run sub four six basically, um, in order to like make it into the third round. For me, that's the the challenge there. I like both of them as far as the contested catchability. Um, Isaiah Hodgins has great hands. Um, but he'll never be anything more than a possession receiver in terms of the way that the NFL sees him. Um, at least I would say just as far as like, oh, when we're bringing this guy in the camp, he might be a you know fifth round pick, um, fourth round pick, probably at the earliest. But in general, people are just not going to expect him to do much just because he didn't stand out at the combine. Tyler Johnson is another guy that I love Tyler Johnson from a, I mean, you, you guys have watched him play. He's great, I, I think. And to see him not participate after – saying he was going to or making the combine his thing all off season after skipping all the bowl games and everything. Um, that was pretty big. And then when he did run the routes and things, he didn't look that impressive. He dropped a couple balls, I think, you know, whether it's nerves or, or anything like that. Um, it just didn't seem like he was ready for the big time. It, he wasn't ready. Um, that's the whole thing yeah, he wasn't. to have Tyler Johnson not be ready after saying, okay, I'm, this is all I'm preparing for. Uh, that hurts. So I think we'll see him slide pretty, pretty big. Yeah, he he could be late day three now, and yeah, he's one that yeah you love what he did on the field on tape. He looked just impressive. Yeah, and he was just dominant, and he looked amazing. You know, and then even when I saw interviews at the combine, he just looked like he just wasn't mentally there. And it's like, dude, a guy like you that, and like you said, in, in this class, you need to do something to stand out. And I, I was in the same boat as Hodgins too. I liked him a lot as possibly a late guy, and I wanted to see him do a lot better. So. Your last name on the list is one that I, I think I heard he was injured. I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I've heard you know, kind of back and forth. So what do you think about Zach Moss? What, what did you see when you watched him on tape? I, I saw a 4.65 is what I saw. I, right. think he's, I think he's good back and he's talented back, but I saw 4.65. And when they're like, oh, he pulled his hamstring or whatever, <laughs> like, oh, uh, sure. 
But then he competed in all the drills afterwards. <laughs> joke. So I don't know who his agent is or, or how they worked that out. But I mean, you can't like if you pulled your hamstring, just stop. <laughs> but, but you clearly did right. it. You just like were slow and tried to cover it up. So yeah, I mean, disappointing in that sense. I I don't think that he gets a bump into the top five or anything like that. Some people were saying, okay, hey, Zach Moss is in my top three guys, and I don't think he can sniff that. Yeah, because I think even PFF had him as like the top ranked back just by their little, you know, algorithm or whatever they use, you know, sure, which, yeah. crazy, you know, uh, he, he's a good back, you know, I, yeah. you watch his tape and there's a lot to like about him, but he's not overwhelmingly amazing or anything, you know, he's just a good back, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I think he should have come out last year, right? If he came out last yeah, year. Oh, yeah, he's, absolutely. He's a, he's a top four back easy. Yeah, because he was recovering from that injury, so he wouldn't have had to do anything in the combine, you know. So he could have, he could have kind of just, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Is that anybody else you guys want to talk about? Or no, I think Ben, you just you knocked it out there with the Zach Moss. You know, people are like, oh man, he ran a four six, and dude, if you've watched him, what did you expect him to run? That was yeah. right around what he looked like. You know, I, I think he's going to have a, a solid career, kind of like a, maybe a Jordan Howard is, would be the top end. Right. Is what you're hoping for, which isn't bad. And next up, we're just going to talk about draft picks. This is obviously the time of year where everybody's moving the draft picks. And, you know, obviously I think draft picks, your rookie draft picks that are coming up will be, you know, during the rookie draft will be your, obviously your highest point, you know, but I think right now is your, probably your second highest point because everybody gets that combine fever. And, you know, I've seen some mocks and things like that where people are taking these rookies like stupid early, and like dynasty startups, you know, people are taking, you know, your guys like your CD lamb and like the fourth round, you know, and like just crazy, crazy early and way over all these guys that are proven and stuff. So I think now you've got a pretty good sell high window, not as high as you could, but are you guys, what are you guys doing in your leagues? Are you, are you moving picks? Are you trying to gain picks? Are you, is there anything you're targeting Ben or are you, what are you doing with right now? Yeah. So I spent a good amount of the last three years gathering picks for this draft in particular because you can look at this class and you'll know it's going to be great and then we had probably like four guys drop out into the 2021 class and so in a couple of leagues i'm in i have like i have like three or four picks in the first round and so my strategy there is going to be moving my later and you can do this like anybody can do this you move i would move my later round picks for next year's like trade to somebody who sucks in your league to get like a second round pick in this draft and then hopefully get a first round pick in the next one. And so if you, I think trading down with your later round picks, because this draft is so deep and next draft is a little bit shallower, but the talent at the top is elite. I I think that's kind of the strategy that I'm going to go with. If I have multiple firsts, I'm trading my latest one back um, and then trying to sneak up in the, in the next uh, year's earlier draft. Yeah. That's kind of been my hope. Yeah, I, I like, think that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Great. Yeah, because the 2021 class is pretty damn good too. Yeah. I know we say that every year, but sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could totally say it's ranked ahead of C Lamp. Uh you know, I don't I don't know where you guys are on that, but I, I'm in that I'm in that range of, you know, like if I'm not getting a, an elite player at seven or eight. Like I'm okay with trading that back into the second round where maybe I could pick up like a Brian Edwards or something like that and then use a second round pick in 2021 and the first round pick to, to move up. Um, so that's kind of where my thought process is at. Right. I also yeah. like if, you, if you've got a couple picks like that, 
you know, trade one of those, you know, like a one five, one six for like a couple, like a one twelve and a two seven or something or a two three. You know, I, I like that too because I think this class is so deep. The guys you can get in the middle of the second round are are still really really good. You know, so you can kind of these picks give you a lot of flexibility. I was going to talk to you guys about this one league that I actually commissioned, and I had kind of did that thing where I was I was gathering picks. I think I had five first round picks. They converted to money. You know, and I had the most money in the league by far. But I ended up <laughs> on a crazy whim. I turned all my money into Sam Darnold, uh, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, and Tyler Boyd. And now I have no rookie picks, but good boy. <laughs> Pretty I, good. That's, that's a good haul. That fever, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> to get Michael Thomas, Cook, Zeke, and yeah, all these guys. And I turned them in. I still have a little bit of money. I think I have like $200, but – I mean, the top guy has like two grand. So, you know, I, I use that rookie fever and everybody's like, you know, I don't have any money. I'll sell Michael Thomas. I'm like, Shh, I'll buy Michael Thomas, you know, whatever. And yeah. so, so there are, you know, if and if I would have waited to the draft, I probably could have even sold them higher and gotten more. But, you know, so that's Pete, What do you have a strategy you're doing right now? Or is it kind of in the same line as what Ben's doing? I, I like, yeah, Ben. Ben is kind of the path I'm following. Uh, you know, this is tw- since 2018. It's hard to move from these picks because, you know, for years now, we've just been waiting. You know, it was, it's going to be Travis Etienne. It's going to be Taylor. It's going to be Swift. It's going to be Akers. Etienne goes back. You know, a lot of these guys went back who were very excited, even from the wide receiver class. 2021 is going to be another solid class where, yeah, if I'm picking in the last – in the later half of the first round, hey, hey, I'll, I'll give you this pick. You know, you kick me something else in 2020. But, you know, hey, man, kick me that 2021 first you got, you know, something of that nature. Uh, you know, we have our Heisman to Hollis League. I've, I've, I have a terrible NFL team. Uh, I just dealt Thielen and Kareem Hunt. I got Sam Howell. Uh, I got, uh, you know, I, I just try to build up more collegiate players because I have no chance at competing. So where where is your team at? Are you a competitive team? Hey, if I'm a really good team, I'm going to capitalize on these 2020 picks who probably aren't going to help me win a, a league in 2020, you know, except for maybe the top few players. Uh, but, you know, they're going to be good down the road. But you're, you're usually your wide receivers aren't going to be wide receiver one, wide receiver two types that first year. So I can trade them for a proven talent who's actually going to help me win that championship if I have a, a, a team that's competing. I, I mean, the big key is trading with somebody who's not good. Yes. <laughs> so undervalued, right? Because in your home league, it's always like the same couple of guys. Yeah. Uh, and, can, and and they'll see, oh, this 2020 class is the best class ever, right? Yeah. And and like, hey, here, take take 108. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, oh, man, this whole first round is going to be nothing but future RB1s and wide receiver ones. And, the, you know, Albert O is going to be the next, you know, superstar George Kittle or you know whatever it's going to be sure yeah right yeah because bottom line you know they most of these picks still are not going to hit you know <laughs> like most of them you know you hope they do you know especially as good as this class looks i don't think i think the hit rate this year will be a lot higher than than normal but it, sure. it's a good it's a good class yeah yeah i think too the like the value of trading down um is exacerbated in this class because there's a there's a discount player version of the best players like everybody's talking about Jerry Judy or was talking about Jerry Judy because he broke out earlier, he had bigger numbers, or he won the Blitnikoff his sophomore year. And Justin Jefferson is the exact same thing as Jerry Judy. And right. Maybe you can get him a little bit later, and it's not a big deal, right? 
I can trade back three picks or whatever from my 104 and I can get Justin Jefferson and not really risk anything. Um, and, you know, I'll gain value on that end. But the difference between Jefferson and Judy is not all that much, in, in my opinion. Um, it's a similar, like, concept with Mims and Lamb, right, that we were talking about earlier. Right. Where, okay, these guys are similar to me or the, like, idea of what makes them good is very similar. Um, I don't mind trading back a little bit. Um, yeah. I, the, I think the, the real challenge is going to be the landing spots. And what do you do there? Yeah, it's very exciting. A lot of people are really excited about the landing spots. That was great timing. (laughs) (laughs) But there's only so many good landing spots, right? Right. Oh, exactly. And then they'll run out. And it's like, oh, this guy's so talented, but he's playing opposite Cortland Sutton. And so his upside is capped. And, like, what are you guys doing there? Like, when do you feel that opportunity runs out? Oh, true. And just like he's talking, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, this play- player X is going to go to the Chiefs. What happens yeah. when the Chiefs don't take a running back? Yeah, what? yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's players who are going to go to teams where you're going to be like, ah, crap. Or, you know, the Jets decide to eat Bell's contract and, and draft a running back. Are you still excited about whatever running back then goes to the Jets or, yeah. you know, whatever team? You fill in the blank. Yeah. Or like <laughs> the top quarterback goes to the Bengals. <laughs> uh, uh, my poor Bengals. I'm, I'm so worried. I'm so worried they're gonna screw Burrow up. <laughs> I, I love Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we'll, we'll call that a night there. Before uh, Pete Pete gets totally swarmed by SWAT teams or uh, Ben. Ben does. Sorry, or Ben's got that five star GTA rating going right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ben, once again, tell everybody where they can find you. Tell us about your podcast, the site, everything, man. Oh, yeah, it's uh, at, J- at Jetpack Galileo uh, on Twitter. And then our website is ffastronauts.com. But we got all sorts of stuff. Uh, my models are mostly on Twitter right now, but I'll be building a couple articles and that way you'll get to see everything. We'll put all the stats up on the website so you can scan the models, decide if you care or not. Um, and then, of course, you can watch the film, and that's really what it's all about. Um, putting everything you can together to figure out, oh, what do I really think about this guy? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say just don't go look at those cutups. Don't enjoy any of Ben's work. I don't, especially if I'm playing in a league with you. Just just in fact, just skip this episode, move along. But uh, yeah, you know, Ben, thanks for the work you guys are doing, putting those cutups on there, giving us uh, everybody a chance to watch. This that's what fo- fantasy football. It's about having fun. Watch these guys in college, you know, kind of make it, you know, go after your guys, you know, target the guys you want, have fun with it. Either way, you guys can follow me at underscore Pete Law on Twitter, and you can find my work over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. You can find my work there as well, Dynasty League Football, on Twitter at FFPeoplesChamp. Other than that, you can find this podcast at Debbie Owners Manual. So we will talk to you guys again very soon. And, Ben, thank you very much, man. We'll talk to you guys soon. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. There's more. Don't forget about the Mountain West, the Mac that can flex. Sunbelt is next. Ivy League fresh. Literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. It's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time.